You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, what we are going to try and start tonight is going to be a descent into the teachings of the Arizal. And the main focus of the teachings of the Arizal, the main focus that we're going to be focusing on in this series of Shirim is going to be the therapeutic value of the teachings of the Arizal. And I want to spend some time introducing exactly what I mean by that. Because B'dar Chlal, as Rabbi Nachman ben Fega teaches us, there are chamisha yechide hadoros, there are five historical tzaddikim, five universes, through whom Panimia Satora is going to be revealed throughout the generations. First and foremost, we have Moshe Rabbeinu. And in truth, all five of these tzaddikim, all five of these historical tzaddikim who reveal a certain element of Torah that could not have been revealed without them, and couldn't be revealed afterwards either. Each and every one of these tzaddikim, the Yechideh Hadoros, are in truth just an expression of Moshe Rabbeinu. As the Rebbe likes to point out in the Arizal and Sharapalim, he points out the five places within the Seder HaShtalshalist of the Das of Moshe's Neskala. And these five places where the Das of Moshe's Neskala are Miramas to the five Yechideh Hadoros, to the five historical tzaddikim through whom Panimia Satoira merges into reality and without whom we would not have the full body of Panimia Satoira, God forbid. We have Moshe Rabbeinu Raya Mahemna, we have Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Rashbi. We have the Ari Hachai, the Arizal Rav Yitzchak Luria. We have the Bashem Tov HaKadosh, and we have Rabbi Nachman Ben Fege. Now, again, as we've stressed so often, the notion of the five singular tzaddikim does not imply uh, a value of one being better over another type of tzaddik, but rather it's the framework in which reality operates, that every galaxy has a solar system, and every solar system has planets in it. And so there are tzaddikim who represent the solar system, there are tzaddikim who represent the galaxy, and there are tzaddikim who represent planets within a particular galaxy. Each one serves their particular role. But the hamshacha of the Torah, through these chamisha yechideh hadoros, finds expression through Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbeinu Ha'arizal, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, and Rabbi Nachman Ben Fege. Now, if we look at the Hamshacha of this Torah, we can look. Moshe Rabbeinu is the revelation of the revealed Torah. Rashbi reveals the secret within the revealed Torah because the Zohar Kadosh is a drasha on every single Pasuk, revealing what the Chavraya uncovered, which was the deep secret of love and unity that existed within Torah Sanigla of Torah Moshe. And we know that Alisa Lamarum Vishvisa Shevi, Moshe Rabbeinu went up on high to retrieve Shevi. Shevi is Roshetevos Shimon Bar Yochai. It's also Roshetevos Yitzchak Ben Shlomo. It's also Roshetevos Yisrael Bal Shem. And after the Bal Shem Tov, who, I'm sorry, after Rashbi, who revealed the hidden aspects of the revealed Torah, we have the Arizal, who reveals the hidden aspects of the hidden Torah. Then afterwards, we have the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh who reveals the revealed aspects of the hidden Torah, drawing down the teachings of the Arizal into a place in Avedas HaNefesh. And then we have the Malchus of it all, Rabbi Nachman Ben Fega, who reveals these teachings in the lowest place imaginable so that we can come back up to the highest place imaginable. But first and foremost, we're going to look at the first three Yechideh Hadoros. We're going to look at Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to look at Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and we're going to look at the Arizal. Because these three represent the revelations of the Torah HaKadosh prior to the emergence of the Baal Shem Tov, prior to the emergence of the Torah of Mashiach, which is the Torah Chadasha and the hint of redemption that is inherent within everything associated with the Holy and the Heilige Baal Shem Tov. One of the elements of what the Arizal did 
and what the Arizal did for us is that without the Arizal, there's nothing to talk about. There are certain personalities, there are certain sadikim who come into existence who change the entire shape of what reality was so that from the moment they're born, reality is no longer functioning in the same way as it was prior to their being born. As Rabbi Nachman says that not everybody needed to be connected to the tzaddikim ha'amitim prior to their emergence into the world. But once the tzaddik emes reveals themselves in the world, so then it's fundamentally necessary for each and every yid to be makusher in one way or the other, whether it's unconsciously or consciously or by way of spooky action at a distance, everybody is yonik, everybody is drawing from the tzaddike emes, from the chamishi yichide hadoros, from these five points, these nodal points through the Hishtalshlis of Torah that give birth to all of the edifices and all of the palaces of Pinimius that we have access to. Without the Arizal, we wouldn't have the world of the Arizal to talk about. The Arizal is a world. The Arizal gave birth, revealed a new language. Now, it's a language that is new but old. It's Atik. So it's ancient, but it's new because it's ancient in the sense that it is rooted in the teachings of those who preceded him, especially Rav Moshe Kordavaro, the Ramak, who was collecting all of the teachings of the Mikubalim from generation to generation, compiling them in his magnificent magnificent Pardes Rimonim. And the Arizal is basing himself on all of the Kadmoinim and all of the Tzaddikim, on Rabbeinu Azriel, on the Brismanucha, on Rav Avram Abulafia, on the Goinim. And the Arizal is taking from everything that they've said, especially Rashbi and Ramak. And so in that sense, the world of the Arizal is an old world. But at the very same time, it's a fundamentally new world because what the, le- what the Arizal gave us was a new Lashon. The Arizal revealed to us new metaphors to try and understand God, new metaphors to try and understand the reality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the reality of the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates and the reality of being a human being in a world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates. Now, to use the word metaphor, when it comes to the writings of the Arizal, as we've discussed so often in the Shirim of the Leshem, is not to, God forbid, say that the Arizal was a metaphor in need for demetaphorization, which would allow us to uncover the true meaning of the Arizal. Because as we know from the Leshem over and over and over again, all we have is the osios of the Arizal. The Arizal had the status of a Navi in accordance with some postgim. And therefore, like any other Nevuah, we have the Lashonos of the Nevi'im. We have the expression that they revealed and what they saw, and that is the essential message. The interpretation and the application of the message is something secondary. It's fundamentally significant, but it is not the essential teaching of the Kabbalah of that result. There were many Mikubalim. There were many people who tried to look at the writings of the Arizal and say, okay, the Arizal gave us mathematical symbols, the Arizal gave us ideas, and it's our job to extrapolate the true inner essence of those ideas and apply them to our human understanding, and then we basically become bigger Mikubalim than the Arizal, God forbid. Now, what we're doing in that sense, says Leshem, is we're just practicing philosophia ba'alma. At that point, one has bastardized the Pneumia Satora from its true source by relegating the words of the Arizal to some secondary thing, as if they're just metaphors that need to be unpacked and uncovered and thrown away in order for me to reveal the inner hidden secret. But it is fundamental to us to understand that all we have is the words of the Arizal. The words of the Arizal are chai v'kayim, what is written in the Shemayin Sharim, in Itzchayim Kadisha, in Mahari Sarug, in the Tamidim of Mahari Sarug, is emes la'amiso. Those are the giluyim that the Arizal gave us in that Lashon, and that was the Lashon that is fundamental. It is a Lashon that is fundamental, just as the language of the Zara Kaddish is fundamental, just as the language in Shir Hashirim is fundamental, just as the symbolism and the anthropomorphization of God is fundamental in Taurus Moshe Rabbeinu. All we have is the words of the Arizal as they are written. Once we accept the fact that the Arizal gave us giluim on the highest level imaginable that are inaccessible to us, then we can begin to try and extrapolate and interpret certain applications to our lives, which means to say that we can take the words of the Arizal and understand them in a context that is meaningful and significant to us, but that does not mean, God forbid, that the significance and the psychological import that the words of the Arizal carry are the essential message of the Arizal. The essential message of the Arizal are the words of the Arizal as they are written in the Svarim HaKadoshim, as they are Me'orer, the Inyanim that we're speaking about in their loftiest place imaginable. That being said, not everybody has access to what the Arizal was saying. Not everybody has a way of understanding what the Arizal was saying. 
Now, if we follow suit with the continuity of the Arizal through the Leshem Shabbat Vachaloyma, the Rashash, the Taras Chacham, then we come to understand how the very system of the Arizal is also deeply significant. But we're going to put that on the side for a second and assume that let's say we want to try and understand the Arizal, but we want to understand the Arizal on a level that can be applied to us. That is what we're going to be doing in the Shirim. From Moshe Rabbeinu to Rashbi to the Arizal, we have the Hisgalus of the Oisios, the letters of Pinimia Satora, the Osios of the Torah, the Osios of the Zohar Kadosh, especially the Safra Ditzniusa, the Idra Rabbah, the Idra Zuta, the Sabbath, the Mishpatim, and the Idra de Mishkana, as well as the Tikune Zohar. We have those Lashonos, which give shape to the ideas that we're going to be discussing and understanding and trying to grasp. And then at that point, after the writings of the Arizal, things kind of take a break. And there was something traumatic about the Arizal's departure from this world. The Arizal lived a short life till the age of 38 years old. And the Arizal had already revealed himself, as Rav Chaim Vital writes in his pre eitz Chaim on the bracha of Etz Tzamach David, that the Arizal turned to Rav Chaim Vital and Talmidim and the Chavaya Kadisha at the Kvarim of Shmaya Va'avtalya. And he said, a person needs to daven for Mashiach ben Yosef to continue to live. A person needs to daven for Mashiach ben Yosef not to be killed by Armalis Arasha, which are spiritual ideas that human beings don't have much fathom of. At least I don't. But the notion is that the Arizal was revealing himself as an aspect of Mashiach ben Yosef. And unfortunately, as a result of certain historical elements, and it comes about in numerous ways, as we see from the historical writings of the Eimek HaMelech, of Rav Naftali Bacharach, in his first volume of Eimek HaMelech, where he goes through the history, the biographical information and the stories of the Arizal, he says that Be'emes, the Arizal passed away, the Arizal passed away in Shnas Tuf Shin, Reish, I'm sorry, the Arizal passed away not in Shnas Tuf Shin Reish, but he passed away in Shin Tuf Shin Lamed Beis. Tuf Shin Lamed Beis. The Arizal passed away in the year Tuf Shin Lamed Beis. Now, the Arizal was meant to bring about a certain emergence of Mashiach. There was supposed to be a certain radical shift within consciousness, a radical shift within human experience, within global reality that was meant to be imported by the Arizal, and it was meant to be Ma'or, an element of Gula. And had the Arizal spent one more year in Svas, as we're going to see, he would have taken all of the Pnimiya Satora that he was teaching to Tamidim, and he would have applied it to Taras Anigla. He would have brought it back into Shas, back into Halacha. And once that was complete, there would have been a Geula Shlema. There would have been a Hisarius of Geula. And we know that the Arizal, Mikamoha Arizal, in each and every generation, we have Sadiqim like this, that are the Ma'or HaTshuva, they're Ma'or Geula. And unfortunately, as a result of the historical errors and the Neira Alila that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to run the world with, the Arizal was Niptar in Shnas Shin Lamed Beis. Now, Shnas Shin Lamed Gimel, based on various places in the Zayar HaKadosh, was meant to be a year of redemption. It was seen as a year that was pregnant with an expectancy. It was it was a state of Tzapiya Yeshua, of a Teshuka to Yeshua, but ultimately the Arizal passes away and everything remains as it is, as we're going to see. But there's an Indian that's Muzbar Ali David Sadikim, especially Rav Kenig, who said as follows The Arizal did not live that extra time. He did not live to the year Shin Lamed Gimel. He passed away in Shin Lamed Beis, which means that the expectation of redemption. Redemption of the self, redemption of the world, redemption on a political level, on a cultural level, on a psychological level. That redemption failed. That redemption was a stillborn and it did not continue. And there's a fear that emerges from that because we want Mashiach so badly. We want the Hisaris to Gula. We want and we're waiting and we need and we need and we need. But unfortunately, the Ariza was nifter at that time. And so the pitkam of the Tzadikim goes as follows. It says, Lo sira beisa mishaleg. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when you look at Sheleg, when you look at the year Shin Lamed Gimel, which spells out the word Sheleg, which was the time where Mashiach Tzidkenu was supposed to come, where there was supposed to be a Geula Pratis and a Geula Klolis. Don't be afraid when you look and you realize that the Arizal passed away Shin Lamed Beis a year before the intended Geula because we weren't Zoycha. 
Why shouldn't we be afraid? Because the house is covered over in shanim, but the Zohar Kaddish says, don't read it as shanim, as the material that one is wearing, but rather shnayim, as the notion of two or a doubling. Why? Because don't be afraid of the Arizal's Petira, because there's going to be two tzaddikim, shnei tzaddikim that come about after the Arizal, the final two tzaddikim of the Yechidei Hadoros, which are the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh and Rabbi Nachman, and they're going to complete the task. The Torah of Hasidus, and that includes the Vilmagon, and that includes the Ramchal, and that includes every aspect of Torah that we can imagine being Makusher to, Panimiyas HaTorah. And those two later tzaddikim are going to come along and they're going to complete the job of the Arizal. Don't be afraid of the fact that we missed out on the year Shin Lam and Gimel. Because the entire house is surrounded by this doubled nature, these two tzaddikim that are coming about later on in history to finalize and draw down the Arizal to us in an even deeper way. And so what we're going to be doing in the shirim is we're going to be learning the Arizal, yes, but we're going to be learning the Arizal with the Havana, that the completion of the Arizal, or what the Geula that we need from the Arizal, which we weren't Zoychet to get, is going to be revealed to us through the Baal Shem Tafakadosh and through the Nachon Leveim Chachma Rabbi Nachman Ben Feiga which means that the Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi Nachman applied the teachings, they took the teachings from Shemayim, and from the system and the order in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, and they drew those teachings down into a place of that I shall grasp the Rabbani Shalom from my flesh, I shall grasp the Rabbani Shalom from my embodied experience in this world as a creature who is a soul stuck in a body, and all of the antinomies and all of the symptoms that come along with that, all of the strength and all of the power as well. But what the Baal Shem Tov allows us to do is to take into consideration the nature of being fundamentally human and allowing the Torah to speak to that place and that place specifically. And it's not a chiddush. The Baal Shem Tov was a hamshacha of the Arizal. There's a Misa where there was a young child, the child of a tzaddik who was sick on Eresh Davai and he was suffering and it was clear that this child wasn't going to make it. And the Baal Shem Tov went in and he looked at the child and he says, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And the child says, yes, Avad, I know who you are. You're the Arizal. And the Baal Shem Tov left and he walked out and he said, this child is going to be fine. That the Baal Shem Tov is a Hamshacha. He's the fourth Yachid of the Dairis. And he's the Hakdama to Rabbi Nachman, who's the fifth Yachid of the Dairis. And all of the Tzadikim that follow afterwards. And so the Avoida is going to be to take the writings of the Arizal, to take the ideas of the Arizal, but to draw them down through the Kichol Vesav Lavushnayim, to draw it down through the light of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh and the Talmidei of the Baal Shem Tov and the Talmidei HaMagid and the Balatani and all of his Talmidim and all of the Nesiyim, as well as Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nassim and all of the Tzadikim Amitim, Be'ezer Sashem. Now, the Baal HaSulam writes, the Baal HaSulam writes in his Haktamat, his Perish on the Zayar, that the Arizal came along at a time where Klayasar were already in the process of drowning. Meaning Rashbi, Moshe Rabbeinu, we can say, although we find explicit with both of those tzaddikim as well, that they were always struggling with the flailing nature of Klai Yisrael, that Moshe Rabbeinu was fighting to save Klai Yisrael, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was fighting to save Klai Yisrael, Kedai Lismoch, coming back out of the cave and putting out the fires of Rebbe Lazar Bray, that the tzaddikim amitim, the chamishi yechides hadoros, are always coming to save Klai Yisrael. But Klai Yisrael weren't always drowning in an existentially significant and urgent way. By the time of the Arizal, Klai Yisrael were already drowning in a way that things had gotten so schwer that there needed to be a new Hisairus, there needed to be a Giloi, a Hisnoitzitzis, a sparking of a Torah that was going to reveal the light of Mashiach in a way that it had not been revealed before. And the Balasulam says that the Arizal came along and he saw Klai Yisrael drowning. He saw Klai Yisrael drowning, and like a person who sees someone drowning, he tried to save them. But what the Arizal tried to do, says the Balasulam, was to lift Klai Yisrael up from their neck, their head area, their shoulder area, from the place of moichin, from the place of minded, minded, focused, intellectual process of yichudim and avoida and kavana, and the ability to live mamish himodikayamim, to live days in heaven. That was the avoida of the Arizal. The Arizal was coming to save Klayasal from their head, from their moichin, to translate Panimiya Satyra into Nigla Satyra, to give a Tyra Sidura that is Mazbir from Or Ein Sof down to the Klipos Lahavdil. But it wasn't enough to save Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael weren't ready to be saved. The Baal Shem Tov, the Hedek Baal Shem Tov came along and the Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov came along and they said, this person is still 
starving and drowning. And now I'm going to pick them up by their heart. I'm going to pick them up from lower down on their body, from the area that's wider that I can hopefully have a, a bigger hold on. So the Baal Shem Tov and his Talmidim and Rabbi Nachman and the Balatanya and all the Tzadikim Amitim are a hamshach of trying to save Klai Yisrael in a way when they realize that Klai Yisrael couldn't be saved by the, their head that the Arizal was trying to do. The Arizal's teachings, very often, historically speaking, and for good reason, Shabtai Tzvi Yamach came and made the whole world, made whole history crazy. And there's going to be tikkunim, and there are tikkunim, and all of the things that are going to be metukin will continue to be metukin, and all of those tikkunim that need to take place will continue to take place. What the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was oisikin, or Rabbi Nachman was oisikin, what the Tzadikim Amitim B'dayrenu are oisikin. These are inyanim that are shayach again to Himmeldik Yomim, to heavenly days of Avoid of the Tzadikim. But Shabtai Tzvi and the Kasa Arura came and made the entire world crazy. And they caused the whole world to be traumatized, to have a traumatic reaction, a post-traumatic reaction, the Havdil, to the teachings of the Arizal. Because the trauma of Shabtai Tzvi was a trauma that was theoretically rooted in the writings of the Arizal. And any time that trauma got brought up, so Mamela went to the roots of it, it went to the Torah of the Arizal, and there began to be an interdiction against the Torah of the Arizal. There began to be something that prevented people from feeling that they have a right to learn the Torah of the Arizal. There was a splintering, there was a split that took place where there were those who had the right to know and those who no longer had the right to know, because nobody could be trusted anymore, it was manipulated, it was misunderstood, and it was misapplied. The masses made a mistake following Kasa Arura, the teachings of the Arizal are manipulative and, and not manipulative, but can be manipulated by a manipulative individual. And Mamela, it created a, a prohibition, a politics of secrecy, so to speak, of esoteric nature surrounding the writings of the Arizal. That for most people, the most significant thing that they know about the Arizal, other than the fact that the town of Svas, Yerakodesh, is associated with him, is that you're not allowed to learn Kabbalah until you're 40. The Arizal lived till 38. He didn't even live till 40. So theoretically, there wouldn't have been any Kabbalah had the Arizal listened to his rule. As the Rebbe says, the Rebbe has written that had he listened to all of the people who were telling him not to learn Kabbalah Sa'arizal, he would have never learned Kabbalah Sa'arizal. He would not have known Kabbalah Sa'arizal. The same is true for the Ari. Had the Ari listened to the rules that they claimed about the Torah of the Ari, we never would have had the Arizal. What we know is that you're not allowed to learn it until you're 40. And we're going to see that 40 and Bina, it's certainly a remez. It's certainly a very significant, significant introduction of a boundary necessary. But there was a cloud of insecurity. There was a cloud of fear. There was a cloud of, of almost an angst of the, the powerful elements of Klai Yisrael at that point. Again, who had the best of intentions, the best of intentions, the tzaddikim amitim who were involved in these prohibitions against the study of the Kabbalah of the Arizal, the same process that took place with the Rambam HaKadosh, the same process that took place with all of the tzaddikim who have something real to say. There was a hisnagdus, there was a, a secrecy and, and circles of concealment that covered it over. But when we look at, when we allow ourselves to really look at the writings themselves, and we allow ourselves to overcome this fear or this natural feeling to say, no, it's not for me. I haven't finished Shas and Poiskim yet. Halavai, a person should finish Shas and Poiskim, but a person should also learn the Arizal, and a person should also learn what the Mikubalim are telling us, even if it's just to understand the writings of the Baal Shem Tov and Rinachman. Not only if, that's also a profoundly significant thing. That's the mafteach of the Arizal. But a person should be learning Panimiya Sator, as the Lesham Shavuva Chaloma points out explicitly in his Hakdama, in his cry, his decree in the Hakdama to Hakdama Susharim. He says, Mehichatesa, that someone's not learning these things. A person has to learn these things. If you're a Tamad Chacham Avada, you have to learn these things. If you're not a Tamad Chacham Avada, you have to learn these things. And we have to demetaphysicalize them and stop making them so scary. It's a Chalik of Torah. It's a fundamental chilek of Torah. And not only that, but we're going to see it is the most fundamental chilek of Torah because it's the one that gives shape to every ounce of our experience. And it is the system of Torah that validates more than anything else the experience of being a human being in this world. And if we look at the writings of those who were the ones responsible for the hamshacha of that reason, Maharit Samach, if you read his Akdama to Eitzchayim Kadisha, he writes, what is the reason that this Torah is being revealed now? It's being revealed now because there's no other way to survive. Things have gotten so crazy. The spiritual stuckness has gotten so thick 
A human being is incapable of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu because their minds are polluted by everything, internally, externally, stuck in all matters of stuckness, psychologically, physically, all things. The only thing that can possibly be strong enough to save us, the only thing possibly strong enough to shake us out of our spiritual slumber and boredom is the teachings of the Arizal. And therefore, these teachings are going to be revealed. Not because a person is so great, not because a person is so deserving, not because a person has excelled in Shas and Poiskin, but because a person is so desperately in need of these teachings. We have a similar teaching from the Heilige Zidichavar. Somebody came to the Zidichavar, the Zidichavar Tzaddik, the Sarbe Sazoar, the one who wanted the Kabbalah of the Arizal to be taught to three-year-olds. Someone came and said, they said, what are you doing? You can't learn these ideas without Kedusha and Tara, without purity and holiness. And the Zidichavar looked at them helpless and he says, I know, I know, but please tell me what other possible way is there to be purified and holy if not for learning Sisrei Torah, if not for learning the teachings of the Arizal. And we see over and over the Mitlarebbe in the name of the Balatani, in the name of the Magid, that it's only someone who has mamish and anxiety at the heart of their soul, libo doig bekirbo, a natural tendency towards that melancholic sense of, of being devoid of what I need. That is the prerequisite to properly understanding Panimiya Satora. That is the prerequisite. That is the necessary ground upon which the ability to grasp the Torah of the Arizal is born. So we see that it's not because we're so worthy that we get to learn the writings of the Arizal, but because we're so urgent and we desperately need them. Again, the Klal Gadol is that the sicker a person is, the more the Torah will be medicine. The sicker, the spiritual sickness, the Choylas Ahava, the need to be redeemed out of the stuckness of day-to-day -day experience, the need to find some semblance of a centering point that holds me together in the world where things are falling apart and the string is being shuck harder and harder and a person has to hold on tighter and tighter to wait a little bit more, a little bit more for the coming of Mashiach. We need the teachings of the biggest tzaddikim. We need the writings of the Arizal. So it's not because we're deserving to be learning the writings of the Arizal that we're claiming that we have a right to learn the Arizal. It's because we need it. And when a person is dying, when a person is spiritually sick, then all of those rules and all of those of who can learn, who cannot learn, go out the window. Pikuach Nehesh is doiche all of those gedarim. In a state of Pikuach Nefesh, a person has to say, right now, I need the Chaye HaChayim, I need the Eitz Chaim Kadisha, I need the Tree of Life, and that's the Arizal. And I have to allow myself to feel that I'm not sneaking when I learn the Arizal, I'm not stealing, I'm not doing something I shouldn't be doing. It's a Tairuhi Vilumar Anitzarach, and each and every person has the right to see themselves as the sole recipient of the writings of the Arizal, and that we are the ones who are going to properly understand the teachings of the Arizal as funneled through the psychological process as we understand from the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh as well as Rav Chaim Vital. Now, with that being said, there are two fundamental clauses that need to be added. Number one is that we see in the Hakdam of Eitz Chaim from Rav Chaim Vital that there are prerequisites. There are azharos and there are certain hanhagos, certain behavioral tendencies and attributes that a person has to develop for themselves in order to be somebody who is worthy of studying the writings of the Arizal properly, in order to be somebody who's trying to be masig racha koidesh, in order to be somebody who could be said to be a yoide merkava. And that's absolutely true. To be a makubal, to be a Kabbalist, there are all of these things that a person needs to do. But what we're doing is not learning to become Mikubalim. We're not learning to become Kabbalists. We're learning to understand the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh and to understand the teachings of the Tzadikim, of Rabbi Nachman, of the Balatanya, of the Ramchal, of the Rashash, of the Balasulam, so that we can better live in this world. That's what we're doing. We're trying to survive. We're not trying to be mekubalim. If a person wants to be a mekubal, there are yeshivas for that. And in that point, all of the hanhagos of Rav Chaim Vital fall into place. And anyone who tries to deviate from one of those is either tricking themselves, fooling themselves, or not fully being honest with the velt. But when it comes to learning the words of the Arizal for redemption of the self, for geula sanefesh, at that point, everybody has a right to come and taste from the Eitzachayim. Everybody has a right. Now, that's the first claw, that to be a makubal, to be somebody who studies these teachings for the sake of application and for the sake of trying to be masig in yanim and for trying to lay claim to the golden robe or the white robe of those who claim to be Mesiride Hashem Koira from the Tamilim of Beis Kael and from the Svardikim Kabalim and those Machavnin, so there are Batim Midrashim to go to in order to learn that. So that's number one. But everything else 
everybody has the right to come and taste, to come and see, come and see the sweetness of the Eitz Chaim, as, as the Leshem Shrev Achloma writes, that a person has not tasted a semblance of life in that world. A person has not begun the process of serving the Rabbi Shalom. The second Indian, and the second Indian is that in spite of the fact that we have the ability to understand the words of the Arizal and apply the words of the Arizal to our own experiences and to see how the words of the Arizal in every sugya, in each and every sugya can apply to modes of thought and moods and our own experiences. And they serve very often as the best possible map to understand the difficult process of being a person in a modern world and to be a person who doesn't feel something and to be a person who has anxiety and who fights for joy and mindfulness. In spite of all of those things, that does not give us permission, God forbid, to be machadesh on the words of the Arizal or to claim that we have the proper interpretation of the words of the Arizal. That demands a, a limud b'in u'b'oymek ad prate prateis to understand what the Arizal says here, what the Arizal says there, to understand the sugyas as deep, as complicated, as precise as any iyun sugya that a person is possibly reading. And the process of grabbing hold of the ideas of the Arizal and applying them to our own lived experience without trying to be Mekubalim who understand the writings of the Rashash and the Prate Pratim of the Torah Chacham which is also a tremendous thing will be Zoycha to learn Torah that way as well one day but for now, we have to keep in mind that I have the right to interpret those teachings as they benefit me, but I don't have the right to make up the teachings. I don't have a right to claim that this is the teaching if it's not written explicitly or based on a certain meforesh or based on the tzaddikim who are megala, the Torah of the Arizal, in a real and clarified way. So we have two things. We have, on the one hand, the need, the fundamental need to be very careful when it comes to the study of the writings of the Arizal and to be very, very careful if it's something that we want to take seriously in our lives to apply, to be zoichet, to earn the name of someone who is a makubal on one level or another, whatever that means, if a person's learning in yeshiva, this, that, or the other thing. And secondly, what we have to cherish and what we have at our hands is simply the writings of the Arizal as they are brought down to us through his Talmud Ne'eman, Rav Chaim Vital, as well as Mahari Sarug, as they have been codified in the Shemayna Sha'arim and the Eitz Chaim and all of the writings that are directly rooted to the Arizal. So on the one hand, we have to be essentially careful and guarded of the words of the Arizal. And on the other hand, we have to trust ourselves that the words of the Arizal are my medicine. I can't live without the Arizal. And that what the Arizal is coming to give me is healing waters. He's coming to give me life. Like all of the Tzadikei Hadoros, like all of the Yechidei Hadoros, he's coming to give me the medicine that I have been missing my entire life. And if I learn the Torah like a person who's dying of thirst, then the Torah will satisfy me and quench my thirst like a person who is finding life for the first time. And so both things have to remain true. The fact that in the care and the tradition and the respect and the acknowledgement that what we're talking about here is far beyond anything that we can possibly begin to be masig on the level of what the Arizal was trying to tell us. All we have is his words. But on the other hand, to say that Lamani Gara, if not me, then who? Imani Khan Hakolkan, the Arizal's writings are here for me. The Shman Sharm are here for me. Itzhaim Kadisha is here for me. A Siddhar Arashash is here for me. If not me, who else? This is the world that you put me in, Rabbanish Lailam. These are the tzaddikim that you've given me access to, and then I have to learn them. And each and every one of us has to see to it that we're learning the writings of the Arizal as Chaim Mamish, as Chaim Mamish. Now, what we're going to look at right now is just the beginning of the sugya of what the Arizal was, who the Arizal was. And again, in this series of Shirim, everything is within etc. It, it's it, If the entire world was ink and all of the time was given to be able to try and describe a little bit about Rabbeinu Ha'arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Shlomo, whose yard site was yesterday, and Hey Av, the Ois Hey of the Aleph base, the secret of Kibaka Hashem Tzura Lamim, the Yud is the Bria of Oilam Haba, the Hey is the Bria of Oilam Haza, the Arizal's Torah is the Torah of Oilam Haza, it's taking Oilam Haza back up to Oilam Haba, it's taking the Hey and bringing it back up to the Yud. And the Torah of this Tzaddik, it would take an infinite amount of time to begin to uncover the secrets upon secrets upon secrets that rest at the core of every letter, every drop of ink of the writings of the Arizal, which are ultimately all coming to say, and teach us the secret of Yehudim, to be in this moment. 
but to begin with trying to understand a little bit of what this tzaddik revealed. So we have to begin with the words of the Emek HaMelech. Emek HaMelech, which is really a fundamental safer when it comes to understanding the nature of the Ariza. And after the father of the Ariza died, and he was still a young child, and out of the impoverishment of his family, the life circumstances of the Arizal, he was an orphan, they led him to go down into Mitzrayim to his rich uncle. Just like Klai Yisrael goes down into Mitzrayim, the Tzadikei Hadoros go down into Mitzrayim. The Arizal goes down into Mitzrayim. But what he found in Mitzrayim was the ability to move forward and he found light with intense Talmudic pilpul and svara. And the light of godliness was moving within him. As the Pasuk says. And the Ruach Hashem came down and it began to move within Machanadan, as the Pasuk in Shoftim Yegimel Chafei says. And his teachings were held in his hands. And when he was 15 years old, his wisdom and his intellectual wisdom came to such a point that he was at the top of the Chacham Mitzrayim. And he began to learn with the Rav of Mitzrayim at that time. The chief Rav of Mitzrayim was Rav Bitzal Ashkenazi, who was the Shita Mekubetzas. And as we're going to see, I believe that the first Rebbe of the Arizal, the Shita Mekubetzas, is doing in Nigla what we're going to see the Arizal revealing as we begin to discuss the secret of Tzod HaPartzuf, which comes about to our generation through the Heilige teacher that we all have in this world, Rav Moshe Shat Shlita, as we're going to see. But what the what the Shitu Mikubetzas was doing, the Shitu Mikubetzas was collecting, a Shitu Mikubetzas, collecting from different places and drawing all of those disparate parts into one singular point to create a sum total that is greater than the sum of its parts. This is what the Chachma of the parts of is. It's taking all of the parts, taking all of the spheros as we're going to see, and allowing them to reveal a sum total that is greater than the parts to reveal something new. And he begins to learn by Rav Bitzalel Ashkenazi for seven years, and afterwards, Ach he spent six years alone. He spent six years alone in solitude. And he spent 10 more years spending time alone and doing his thing. Where was the Arizal being Zoichet to all of his secrets? Where was the Arizal Zoichet to Giloy Eliyahu? He was Zoichet to Giloy Eliyahu on the banks of the Nile River on the banks of the Nile River, which to me is such a fundamental expression of what we're talking about when we talk about the Arizal. We know that Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim is Erva Sa'aretz, Mitzrayim is the Metzar, Mitzrayim is a place of constriction, Mitzrayim is a place of exile, Mitzrayim is a place where a person is not allowed to go back into because it's an empty net, it has nothing left in it. Mitzrayim is a place of servitude, of difficulty. Mitzrayim is the place that the Jewish people had to send down to, which represents the constriction of the mind and the constriction of breath and the short-temperedness and all of the difficult things and concealments that we find ourselves in. So it's quite surprising then to find that the deepest Torah revealed to us in our tradition of Rabbeinu Ha'arizal from amongst the Yechidei Hadoros is found not in Yerushalayim Yerakodesh. It's not found in Svas Yerakodesh. It's not found in Eretz Yisrael. It's not even found in Eretz Ha'amim, which would be one thing. It's found in Mitzrayim Daika. It's found in Mitzrayim, in Eretz Mitzrayim, in the place of exile, of constriction, which represents the Kutza Shalyud of exile. There are four exiles, Migdal, uh, Madai, Bavel, Yavan, and Paras, and Edom, rather. And Golus Mitzrayim is representative as the source of all Golus because it represents constriction itself. And this is where the Arizal is is Chachma. This is where the Arizal is going to teach us the life giving medicine of Eitz Chaim Kadisha. But as Rabbi Nachman teaches us so often, there are two ways to look at something that appears to be counterintuitive. The counterintuitive thing here is that the Arizal who's being Megala or Ha'oyres, he's being Megala, the lights of godliness, is not only not revealing them in Yerushalayim, is not only not revealing them in Eretz Yisrael, but he's revealing them in the worst place imaginable, in Eretz Mitzrayim, and that's counterintuitive. And whenever something counterintuitive emerges, whenever there's a surprising shift in our way of understanding something, there's two ways to look at it. 
I can say, in spite of the fact that there's a shift over here, even though the Arizal found himself in Mitzrayim, which is a surprise because it's such a low place, nevertheless, he was able to find the light of godliness in Mitzrayim also, which is revealing the power of the Arizal. And that's true. That's the level of Afal Pikain, like Yosef HaTzadik, Mashiach ben Yosef, who goes down into Mitzrayim for 17 years, and he's Ro'etov, he sees goodness, because Yosef HaTzadik is the one who's Me'orer, that or of the Tzadik Yisod Olam, the Yisod is the Osios of Sod, which is the secret, and the Helem of the Al-Rizal. Yes, it's true. It's Afal Pikin. The Arizal goes down into Mitzrayim and he survives. He's there for 17 years also, seven years, 10 years. He's being misplated there. And ultimately, that's one way to look at it. But as Rabbeinu teaches us, there's another way of reading when we encounter a counterintuitive moment in the text, when we encounter a counterintuitive sense in our minds, that there's not only the afal pikein, there's not only the notion that even though things are bad here, I can still find good, but there's a daika, there's a specifically. It's specifically in Mitzrayim that the Arizal is zoichet his chachma. It's specifically in Mitzrayim that the Arizal is coming to reveal to us the light of all worlds. It's specifically within the makom of Gehenim, the makom of Gullus, the makom of the Meitzar Hayam, the constriction of the throat and the mind and the shortness of breath and the Avoid Kasha. It's specifically there. It's specifically there that we get to uncover the light of the Arizal and the light of Gula. Now, one can say, as the Ramchal implies, as I'm thinking right now, is that the thing that the Arizal was being makasher to most was the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was thrown into the Yor, that there was a hiskashes to the light of Moshe Rabbeinu that exists on the banks of the Nile River. But suffice it to say, without going into that sugya, which is really representative of the same truth, the Arizal is being megala to us a chachma, and that's a chachma that has to be niskala dafka in Mitzrayim. And after Mitzrayim, after Mitzrayim, the Arizal goes, the Arizal goes to Svas, where he spends really the, the, the last few months of the Ramak's life there, and he reveals himself. He reveals himself by pointing out where the Ramak should really be buried, because the Ramak had said it was the chief Mukubal of the time, and the Tzadik Yisoyed Olam of that period, of Moshe Kordavaro. So he had said that you'll know when my replacement comes and they didn't know where to bury the Ramak and it was the Arizal who was able to identify the pillar of fire that identified the place of the Ramak and that's where the Arizal began to take his mantle as the teacher of Kabbalah in Svasi Kodesh. and when he finally found his Talmud, his Talmud Ne'eman, Rav Chaim Vital, he had said, I have been waiting my entire life for this. And it was specifically, I'm sorry, I'm just looking for a place over here. It was specifically in that place. It was specifically in in Svas that the Arizal teaches for two and a half years. And then we're not Zoichet to the Arizal's return to Yerushalayim. And the Arizal is Nipter. Now, the Arizal started his life off in Yerushalayim. He started his life off in Yerushalayim. He was born in Yerushalayim. Then he went down to Svas. Then he went down to Mitzrayim. From Mitzrayim, he's Oyle Lesvas, Yerakodesh. And prior to the Arizal's completion of what he wanted to do, he wanted to return back to Yerushalayim. As the famous story, he turned his Talmidim by Kabbalah Shabbos and says, Hebra, let's go to Yerushalayim. Let's go to Yerushalayim. Let's make our way back to Yerushalayim. Because the Tachlis Svas is Tekah B'Shoi Gadol. Taka b'shoifar gadol, Taka is Gamachi Svas, as Rav Kenig points out. And the Shoifar Gadol is the Ori of Yerushalayim. As the Chassam Soifer points out with regards to the Re'idas Adama in Svas Yerakoidish, that the Tachlis is to go from Svas back into Yerushalayim, to draw the light of Ma'arav Tufcha Sher Tzafant L'Reyecha into the Yerushalayim, into that place of Koidish HaKadoshim, Ibn Shnei But the Arizal was in Soichet to make it back into Yerushalayim. But we have is beginning in Yerushalayim, descending down into Egypt, ascending up to Svas, and not yet making it back to Yerushalayim. Although there was a certain period in time where Kabbalah began to be taught from Yerushalayim Yerakodesh, especially with the Rashash and base Medrash, base Ale, and the Rashash, as we're going to see, as we know, was, was a further expression of the Arizal. The Arizal sat on his deathbed to his Tamidim that if you're Zoycha, if you're Zoycha, I'm going to come back to you because the Tamidim said, how are we going to do this, Rabbi? 
How are we going to do this? We can't do this. And he says, if you're worthy, I'm going to come back to you. And the Kafachayim brings down and the Talmidim and Amanim know that it came back in the guise of Rabbeinu Shalom Sharabi, the Rashash, who is nothing but an explication and a further revelation of the three-dimensionality that is inherent within the two-dimensionality of the writings of the Arizal. And then the Taras Chochem, who's the Talmud Ne'eman, the Beis Chayim of the Rashash, comes and takes the three-dimensionality of the Rashash, who's taking the two-dimensionality of the Arizal, and he transforms it into something completely different, which is more of a four-dimensionality, which is what we're encountering now in our generation from Beis Medrash Taras Chacham of the Hamshach of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. But the Arizal doesn't bring about redemption. He doesn't make it back to Yerushalayim. He makes it to Sfat. But what we can see in the life of the Arizal, in the life of the Arizal, is that there's a three-step process. There's an encounter of a light. There's an encounter of an or gadol, the or of Yerushalayim. And then there is a descent away from that original light. There is a descent away from that original unity, down, 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 down into Mitzrayim, into the belly of the snake, into the into the dir b'tachtoinim, into the choyshech ha'kafulum into the hester shabatoich ha'astara, into the oilam hazeh that's nosen b'meyanachash, as the Rashash says. And it's specifically from there that a person is to be back to Svas. Svas is the secret of hiddenness. Svas is the secret of recognizing that there is a profound light that is hidden away. It's marav tufcha asher How good is your goodness that is hidden away to those who you love, to those who see you? That there's a hiddenness, there's a concealment that's necessary. Because BMS, BMS, one of the elements of what we're going to be seeing from the writings of the Arizal, as we can understand them in the way of the Balshem Tavakadosh, in the way of Rabbi Nachman, and in the way of the living tzaddikim, especially Rabbi Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita, in the name of the Amach, in the words of the Amachachma, in the processes, I understand it, of what the Amachach is being Megalitas. What we're going to see is that the entirety of the Kisve Ha'ari is a descent down, down, down into a place of concealment. It's encountering the concealment of the world. It's actually taking the concealment of the world seriously enough to try and understand it and to try and show that it's not really concealment. Because the entire tachlis of the writings of the Arizal are to take us into a place where we taste, where we're aware of concealment, intellectually, even emotionally, kavyachal, although not emotionally, because really when it comes to learning the drushos of the Ari in Shvira Sakelim, the tzaddikim are really, they warn us not to spend too much time learning the intensity or the difficulty of the Ari, because it's not good to spend so much time there. So Adarabah, intellectually we can know the, the yegiya and the gvul and the difficulty of Shvira and all all of these difficult things, but we should never feel it, God forbid. The Baal Shem Tov comes along to teach us that trachgut, gut, and that a yid should always have simcha b'levavo, even if there's a sadness, even if there's difficulty, not to ignore it, but to experience that difficulty within the framework of an immovable sense of simcha, as we're going to see, which is mamish what the Arizal teaches us. Mamish what the Arizal teaches us. In fact, simcha is the fundamental teaching of the Arizal. But the Arizal, first and foremost, before we get to the Simcha of the Ari, it's a descent down into Mitzrayim. And we're going to see this in the Sugyas, it's a descent into Tzimtzum, constriction, concealment, minimization, it's a descent into Shvira, into relationships, into severings, into disconnections, into all sorts of mysterious ways that relationships take place and things fall apart and things are born anew out of things that have fallen apart and how things are built and then they tear and they're sewn back together in order for them to be stronger. But without that dip into Mitzrayim, without the Tzimtzum, without the Chalal, without the Shvira, without the Rapach Nitzoytzin, without the Hastara Shabbatoycha Hastara, we would never have anything for the Arizal to be talking about. The Arizal is teaching us out of the Eitz Hadas how to eat from the Eitz Chaim, as Rav Chaim Vital makes explicitly clear in his Haktama to the Eitz Chaim Kadisha, which I heard from, from my Rebbe, Rav Moshe Shachlita, that this was really a, a hespid that Rav Chaim Vital was giving on the Arizal, because Rav Chaim Vital was bemoaning the fact that people had not fully understood what the Ari wanted from them. People had not fully understood the healing power of the words of the Arizal. People had not fully understood that these are the words of the Eitz Chaim. But first there's a dip from the Eitz Adas Taivara and then an ascent back up to the Eitz Chaim. And the entire system of the Arizal is built upon things we're going to see in the secret of the Tzimtzum and things that are written by the Arizal himself, which is a rare thing because most of the writings were from Rav Chaim Vital, Mahari Sarg, and the other Tamidim. 
not the other Talmidim, Mari Sarug and Rav Chaim Vital, and then compiled by other Talmidim. And the Arizal gave us three Pizmoinim. The Arizal gave us gave us the Zmiros, the beautiful poems, the love poems, the mystical love poems of the Friday night meal, of the Shabbos day meal, and of Shalashudas. Right, these avoidas, that's what was given to us by the Ariza. But we also have uncovered recently, thanks to the wondrous work of many, many Kedoshim, we're spending so much time digging and digging to give us more and more. Rav Yaakov Hillel Shlita and the base Medrash of Abba Shalom and the printing of Abba Shalom and all of the clarity that's coming out with the writings of the Ari. There has never been a time in history that has been so easy to understand what the Ariza is doing, what the system was, what the books are. We know more now than they ever knew back then in terms of the printing history, in terms of developing an understanding and Havana of the system. And that makes a lot of sense because as Leshem Shubh taught us in Biurim, that the transmission of Pnimiya Satora is not like the transmission of Niglo Satora. In Niglo Satora, it used to be that they had to say a little in order to convey a lot. Now we say a lot in order to convey a little because what we understood then is minimal and we no longer have the art of language to convey the minimal amount with language. So we have to spend a lot of time speaking. This is also in Hakdamas Hagriz, to his father's sefer, Chudusha Rav Chaim al Rambam, where he speaks of the power of Rav Chaim as being like a Rishon because he was able to speak on a level of of minimal amounts that contain a vast amount of information, something that is a bygone thing in the world of Niglo Satora. But in Nistaro Satora, says Leshem Shabbat not only do we have an increase in the quantity of the writings, but there's also an ontological increase in the quality of what we have a capacity of understanding. And we now in this generation, even more more than the generation of the Leshem Shuvah as a result of the lights of the Leshem Shuvah and all the Tamidim Amitim of the Arizal and the Hamshachi Doros of the Arizal, we have more of an ability to understand ideas that have never been understood before. Ad we have the ability to understand the final frontier, which we see coming out of the living Sadiqim, Sugyos that had been untouched, Sugyos that had never been discussed, Sugyos that are being revealed in such clarified forms that it's impossible to deny the Renaissance and the revolution and the eventual redemption of of the Torah of the Arizal. It's a Torah Shlema. It's a Torah of Geula Mamish. And in order for there to be a Torah of Geula, there has to be a descent into that place. And in those writings of the Arizal, I'm sorry for the tangent, in those writings of the Arizal that we're discovering, his early parish on Safar Ditsniusa and the writings that he had on the Zaira Kadosh, there's a Klal Gadol that he takes from the Ramak but explicitly says over and over, that the revelation is a concealment and concealment is revelation. Meaning to say that we typically look at the world and we say what is concealed is bad and what is revealed is good. Revelation is good because because we have a grasp of it, we can name it, we can hold it, we can trust it, we can identify it, and I have it in actuality. But something that is concealed is a symptom of something bad because I don't have it and it's hidden away from me. Because what we see is he'elem and giloi as presence and absence. Our typical assumption was that if something is hidden, it's absent, and if something is revealed, it's present. That Hester was associated with something being missing, and giloi was associated with something being revealed. But comes along the Arizal, based on the Ramak and the Hamshach of the Mikubalim, and says, that the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch is so great that it can only be revealed by way of Simpson, and it's the constriction that allows some Something to be revealed because when it's revealed, I can't lay claim to it. It's only when it's concealed that I actually have some shaykhis of emuna because the tachlis of everything is emuna. It's, it's Chaim Kadisha is coming to teach us emuna, tfila, emuna, tfila, emuna, tfila. That's it. The pre Chaim is tfila mamish. That's the tachlis of the Eitz Chaim. The Torah has to be transformed into a tfila, as Rabbi Nachman teaches us. But the concealment, what happens with this shift where we see that concealment is really how things are revealed, is that something really big takes place. That concealment stops being absence. It stops being something empty. It stops being something that is devoid of content. And it starts being content that is expressed by way of concealment. That instead of thinking of concealment as the absence of presence, meaning that there was something present and now it's absent and nothing exists. And we have to start thinking about absence by way of presence, meaning that yes, there's nothing, but it's not a lowercase and nothing. It's a capital nothing. Hashem is everywhere. Orient Sof is everywhere. And Mamela, I have to try and learn the sugya if Hashem is everywhere, then why don't I see him? And that's the basis of the Arizal system. The assumption that Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. And if Hashem is everywhere, then why don't I see him? And that gives birth to the Chiddush of the Tzimtzum Kavyachot. 
if I operate from the position of Hashem is not here, then I have to get into all of the complications and the extrapolations of why isn't Hashem here and how could it be that Hashem is not here, et cetera, et cetera. But once one takes the given perspective, which only the Yechide Hadoros have the capacity to give us, to drink from, and to heal us with, is the notion that, no, Hashem is really here. And the apparent concealment of godliness is simply an apparent concealment, because now we see concealment as an act of revelation. And if that's the case, then we have to try and understand how can an infinitely present God appear as absent? And that's what gives birth to the entire process of the Seder Hashdal Shalos, from the first Shar in Eitz Chaim down to the last Shar, from the Or Ein Sof down to the Klipos as they're described in the 50th Shar. But this is the premise of the Arizal, that there is no absence, there is nothing concealed. Everything is present. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present everywhere. And this leads us finally to the most important part of the introduction, which is two stories, two elements of what the Arizal is coming to give to us. Number one is that Rav Chaim Vital, Rav Chaim Vital, who asked his Rebbe, Rav Chaim Vital says, Rebbe, Rebbe, how could it be that in our generation we're going to be zoichet to things that the previous generations were not zoichet to? How could it be that that which is lower can access that which is higher, that which those who are higher could not even access? And the Arizal said that in spite of the fact that there's a degradation of generations and there's a degradation and the klipos grow thicker and the concealment elements of this world, which we have to take seriously, no one like the Arizal teaches us to take klipos seriously. Because you have to take them seriously in order to understand that they're a joke. Because if you know it's a joke in the beginning, then the joke's not going to be funny. So you have to take it all very, very seriously. You have to take the concealment very seriously in order for the punchline to be funnier. And the punchline is always in Mavado. But because the Arizal needs us to be in on the joke, on that slik the Yitzchak, on the laughter of Yitzchak, so then we have to hold cup with the Tzimtzum, with the Shviro, with the Klipos, and with all of these different issues. And the Arizal, the Arizal, says that in spite of the fact that the klipos are growing, nevertheless, the innermost point of content is continuing to grow as well. And therefore, the little bit that we do is far more of a sacrifice, inner and outer, and it also draws down on a higher level. But Rav Chaim Vital asked, what is the most significant thing that you've done? What was it that gave you access? What was it that gave you access to Elio Anavi? All of this is rooted in Elio Anavi. And Be'emes, in order to give a shir on Elio Anavi, on, on the Arizal, we should give 10 shirim on Elio Anavi. Because without Elio Anavi, there is no notion of the Arizal. And without the Arizal, there is no notion of the Baal Shem Tov Kadosh, even though the Baal Shem Tov had a different Rebbe, Achaya Shiloin. But Rav Chaim Vital asks, he says, what was it? What did you do? And he says it was Simcha, Simcha Shel Mitzvah. Simcha, 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 Simcha. I was besimcha. Simcha, as the Baal Shem Tov, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and as Richemeyer point out, that Simcha, not as the result of something, not a dependent joy that's dependent on some external accomplishment where I do the thing, but now I do it with Simcha, but rather a baseline of Simcha, a saturating expression of Simcha that frames and contains and gives birth and surrounds each and every expression of our lives. So that, yes, there's ups and downs, but it's besimcha. And that gives birth to the Ahavta that was the klal. That was what the Arizal said. We have to be makabal upon ourselves each and every day before tefillah. And the Balshem Tov HaKadosh took this as a fundamental, fundamental truth. As the Tzamech Sadek points out in Mitzvah HaMonetz HaLukus, as the Baal points out in Parak Lamed Beis and Tanya, that the simcha, the true simcha of Or Ein Soif, the true simcha of Bittal and Or Ein Soif, the true simcha of tasting from the Yitzchayim, Mamela gives birth to Avas Yisrael, Mamela gives birth to Avas Chinam, to the Ahavta Lorecha Kamoicha, which is the teaching of Rabbi Akiva, who is the Rabbi of Rashbi, the Ahavta Lorecha Kamoicha, of unity, of love, of connectivity, of Chavraya, of Chavivus. And that leads to the next Maisa from the Zidichavar, not from the Zidichavar, from the Kamarnam. We spoke about this before. And it's found in the collected stories of the Zidichavar in, in, in Zichron Zois. That the Domestic Eliezer, the Heliga Domestic Eliezer, the Balbir Azoyer on the Domestic Eliezer wanted very badly to learn Kabbalah. He wanted very badly to learn from his father, the Zoyachai. And these were the Tzaddikim Umamish lived, ate, drank, breathed, breathed the words and the teachings of the Arizal. They breathed it. They're the ones who gave it to us. Without them, without Kamarna, we don't have the Ari. We don't have that koyach. We don't have that hislahavus and the belief that every single word in Maran Ha'ari can be mechayem mesem mamish. It's a yichud. 
As the Lashem Shemavacholom said, and I heard from the Talmidim of Rav Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern, it's the most significant place in the Lashem that every drash in Eitzchayim Kadisha can be transformed into a Yichud, which means that it can be an act of tefillah, which means that it could be a moment of connectivity to the Rabbi Shlalem where I'm no longer running to anything, but it's a moment of Hashra'a where the above is folded into the below and everything I need is already here in this moment. And the Zara Chai is pushing his son, the domestic Eliezer, away and saying, Nine, I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach as the true tzaddikim do. Until finally he cajoled his father to teach him. And the, the Zara Chai told the domestic Eliezer, he says, Come early in the morning tomorrow. And early in the morning, what the Zara Chai did is he opened up, he was wearing his talis and tefillin. He opened up the Yitzchayim Kadisha. He opened up the Sharklalim, which is a place we're going to discuss that the Ramchal takes and runs with as the chief mark of his system of his understanding of the Arizal. And he points to the reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. Why did Hashem create the world? Because the desire of the capital G good is to bestow goodness upon its creatures. It's that the world is good, that life is good, and that things can be good, and that there's simcha, and and in all of the absence, there's truly a presence. And all we have to do is understand why things appear to be absent, but not why they're actually absent because nothing is actually absent. This is the light of Yitzchak HaTzadik. This is the light of Yitzchak Avinu, of Yitzchak Luria. Yitzchak is the light of the Arizal, the Shoyk the Yitzchak, the laughter of Yitzchak, the ability to take severity and transform it to be the very place of light. Yitzchak Avinu, who is the beginning of the process of the Arida to Mitzrayim, because the Otaklis of Yitzchak Mitzrayim is to be Megala, the Shoyk of it all, to reveal the radical nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ein Oid Milvado. And the Ben Yishchai Suru tells us in the beginning of his parish, in the beginning of his parish on the Hakdamus of the Ariza, one of the most significant and important svarim to learn, called called Das Tvuna, Das Tvunos, Das Tvuna. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. It's either Das Tvuna or Das Tvunos of the Ben Yishchai is one of the best, best introductory svarim to learn. And in the introduction to that introductory sefer, the Ben Yishchai says, "Where do we find the hint to the Ariza in the Torah?" And he answers that is from the sugya of Yitzchak and Chafira Sabeiros. And in the beginning, there was Asik and there was Sitna, and he was pushed away until he came to Rechoyvais, and that's where he found true Shalom and Hamevin Yavin. And it seems clear, I, I believe, in my humble opinion, that. The secret that in Rechoyves he found true shalom is that Rav Shalom Sharabi is the Rashash and Rechoyves is Rechovas Anar. And that's where the Arizal receives kind of the final stamp, the final Gushpanka before the Taurus Chacham of how to be properly understood. But what the Ben Yishchai says, more importantly for our sake, is that the hint of the Arizal is in the Sugya of Yitzchak. Now, Yitzchak Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu is the Sugya of Gavuros. Yitzchak Avinu is the Sugya of Intensity. I'm sorry, again, I keep losing this place. Yitzchak is the secret of connecting to a hidden light that is buried within that which appears to be concealed. It is the ability to find the Rabbi Nishleilam in places that appear to be devoid of the Rabbi Nishleilam, to find the infinite light hidden within the tzimtzum v'chule v'chule v'chule. Yitzchak is the secret of laughter, is the secret of emerging from the trauma, so to speak, of the Akedah and coming down laughing about it, the secret of Kate's Chai, the secret of being alive, in death itself, the secret of finding or in absence itself and the secret of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. This or of Yitzchak, as we've discussed so often in the name of Rav Simcha Bunim, when Avimelech saw Yitzchak, when Avimelech saw Yitzchak, when he saw this laughter of Yitzchak, he says, Re'e-ra'inu. Why do you have to look twice when it comes to Yitzchak? What's the Re'e-ra'inu? What's the doubled nature of looking? Because when I take a first glance and I look at Yitzchak, it appears broken, it appears severe, it appears impossible to break through. But I have to take a double take and I have to look twice. And once I look twice... Once I access the light of the Arizal through the double nature of the Tzadikim, the Baal Shem Tov, and Rabbi Nachman, that looking twice, I come to uncover the secret laughter of Yitzchak, the laughter that reveals all absence to be presence because there was never any absence. And that specifically has to be revealed down in Mitzrayim. The Pasuk in Yishayahu says, the Saktakti Mitzrayim be Mitzrayim, and I have refined Mitzrayim in Mitzrayim. And what the Arizal says is that Mitzrayim is the Metzar, Mitzrayim is the Gevura, Mitzrayim is the intensity and the constriction 
constriction. And the only way to rectify that constriction is to enter into the elevated constriction, the constriction ha'elion, the meitzar ha'elion, the shem kale, the yud gimel tikunei dikna, the tikunim, the concealment for the sake of revelation. That's the secret of the arizal, to be mamtik concealment with a higher level of concealment, to come to understand that, yeah, vada things are hidden, but why are they hidden? And when we understand why things are hidden, achinata kel mistat there, then we begin to understand the joke of it all. Then we begin to taste from the Yitzchayim to realize that Einon Levada Mamish. And Satsakti Mitzrayim be Mitzrayim, the Arizal Yitzchak goes down into Mitzrayim to reveal from within Mitzrayim itself the sweetness that can be refined and the laughter that emerges through a Simcha Amitis, the Simcha of Yitzchak HaTzadik, the Simcha of the Schoik of Yitzchak, the Simcha of the Kabbalah of the Arizal, of the Kabbalah of the Tamidim Amitim, of the Hasidus of the Balshem of Rabbi Nachman and the Tzadikim in our generation. And Be'ezra Sashem will go a little bit into the space, into the sphere of the Eitz Chaim Kaddish, of learning what it means to try and taste redemption in our lives, Be'ezra Sashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.